Hello everyone and welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. Here we'll discuss everything related to the wide world of automobiles, including culture, news, games, interviews, and events. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey, hey, hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. We got three, the top three stories for today. The Ferrari Portofino is the main factor in Ferrari's record Q1 sales. Nearly 200,000 miles to threes recalled stateside over faulty windshield wipers. That's something to recall, that's for sure. And the 2021 Ford Bronco will get a hybrid powertrain option as well. For starters though, Nissan GTR Custodian vows the next GTR, sorry, the next gen GTR will be what customers want. I don't know, maybe. I mean, that's kind of what they were, you know, that's what Toyota execs have been worried about for ages with the Supra. So, we'll see. Alright, first news story, but you know, with that very first one out of the way, forgive me for not asking, it was rude of me not to ask you guys, how is your day going? How's it going? Currently, uh, for me, it is the, it's, you know, obviously it's the 12th, it's 4.43, I watched the Barcelona race and I am tired, I am wiped. Absolutely wiped. But anyway... So the Barca, we'll talk a little bit about the Barcelona race as well. I forgot to mention, I forgot to think about that. Um, the Barcelona race, doggone it, Ferrari, what is wrong with you? Good grief, it's, it's like, can we get one race where their strategy is not messed up and ruined and then they, they can get their heads on straight? It's like, oh, Charles is faster, we'll now make him pass, uh, make him pass Vettel about three laps or four laps too late. Now it's the other way around. Same thing, three to four laps too late to let him the pat to let him pass. And then from what I saw, Vettel didn't get all that far away. I might have missed it later on in the race, but the part where I saw Vettel didn't actually get all that far away from Charles. So you know, it's just man. You know, I used to have a, a lot of respect for Vettel because he didn't he wasn't in the Mercedes, but he was re- he was really trying to take the fight to them. And this year, it's just not the same. To, you know, to me, it, it feels like that drive, that that hope, really, that hope is is waning. You know, and it's just it's such a darn shame because I really feel like if he got his if he got his head in the game, he might actually be able to fight Botas. I don't know if he could. I don't think Fry has the pace to fight Hamilton. But he might be able to fight Botas, even with, even despite the fact that Botas has been winning, or Beardtas, as I like to call him now, because he's got a, just a majestic beard on his on his face. Even despite the fact that he's been winning a lot, pretty much every race, I think up till now, or at the very least, he's won pretty much every race so far this season, except for two. This one and one other one. You know, and Charles, I think he's definitely there. Uh, I think there's maybe a few things he still needs to work out. His pace is, it's annoying to me because it's kind of a lot like Daniel Ricciardo. It, the one thing that does separate them, he's fa- he's top dog fast more consistently than Daniel is. But there are still some moments that I'm seeing where he's, it doesn't seem like he's performing to his absolute best. He seems to be, uh, I don't want to say phoning it in, but he's leaving a little bit on the table in a few moments, which is, it's such a darn shame. I'm really rooting for Charles because he was... He was in what Sauber, some Ferrari, Ferrari mini team a little while ago, and he did really good, especially with his race racecraft back then. And that's when I saw the way he was driving last year, you know, last season. I was like, you know what, that you know, that kid's actually going places. That driver actually has some pace and skill about him, and now he's at Ferrari, 
and things are turbulent to say the least. But yeah, Vettel, I just wish I wish he'd get his head on straight. And Charles, I wish he could be given a chance to fight with all with all his might without without too many big problems. But outside of Ferrari, Max did exceptionally well. Max. He was a he was a surprise. He was a surprise. But I was actually kind of expecting Charles to be where Max was, but Max he really did drive an excellent race. I don't think he should have gotten driver of the day. That to me was some nonsense when when 19% of the vote was Max. Uh, and someone I was watching, I was watching the race with who was next to me because I was in a group today. Uh, said that well, if he only got nineteen percent of the vote, that really mean that means really not many people actually voted at all, which was a very good that was a very astute observation. But I I think, and this is and as much as I ripped on this guy, you all should know that this he must have done something right, and he did. I think Roman Grosjean should have gotten driver of the no, yeah, Roman Grosjean should have gotten driver of the day, and here's why, he was. Fourth, when everyone started pitting between laps 20 and 30. No Haas that I can remember of any recent season has ever been that high. And it didn't last that long. I'll admit that much. But the fact that he was in such a position to occupy the place for even as long as he did, that is an achievement. Especially for Haas who have had horrible luck. They've done a lot better this season. Keep that in mind. They have done a lot better this season than last season and the season before that. But this is easily, that, no, that was easily their best achievement to date. And I think Roman should have gotten it purely for having been there. Because he could, he could have ran a much sloppier race early on and not have been there to capitalize on the fact that everyone was pitting. But I really think it should have been Grosjean. For as much flack as I give him, it should have been him. I think, and you could argue that he might have been gifted that place due to pit strategy. I agree with that. But Haas doesn't have a good track record. Keep that in mind. They've been doing better this year, but it's still been a little, a little bit iffy. So the fact that even, even with the pit, the pitting strategy helping them gain positions that they could get that far, that's an achievement. Even early on, that is an achievement because they could, they could have fallen down, the car could have broken, Roman could have, cra- could have crashed, a lot of things could have happened. But the fact that he was able to occupy that place for as long as he did, for at, I think three or four laps. That's pretty good going, especially for Haas. I think Roman should have gotten it. Don't get me wrong. Max did a sterling job. He did a fantastic job. But a Red Bull really should be... Red Bull are among the top dogs of, of the F1, of the teams in F1. When they're given a chance, they can perform. Max performed. Perhaps not as expected. Perhaps it wasn't as expected as, say, Charles being in third. But Max, given his finishing order and all that sort of stuff... Provided he didn't crash or get crashed into, he was going to finish high or, or reliability issues. But his car seems to have been pretty good this year. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Max should have gotten it, despite the fact he did a good job. But yeah, and then midfield, Pierre Gasly, he did pretty good. He did pretty good. He's getting faster, and I think I I might have told you guys earlier that in in earlier podcasts at the beginning of the season that he seems to be a very midfield driver. Well, I think I'm I'm beginning to reverse my opinion on that because he's been showing to properly increase his pace. He's he seems to be just about competitive now. You know, you know, cuz remember at the beginning of the season, he was down in further than 10th in a Red Bull in a proper Red Bull, not a Toro Rosso, in a full-on Red Bull. That was bad. 
and he got a little bit better and now he seems to be he actually seems to be comfortable with the car that's great and it's showing it is showing he's in the top five he sorry not top five he's in the top 10 perhaps on occasion in the top six no less he's doing good a lot better than he did earlier this season and he's looking to be a much more promising driver than I thought than I thought he was. Another driver that surprised me a lot was Danny Kvyat. I didn't expect him to go on the outside of Kimi Raikkonen and make it and make it stick. He made it stick, and I was not expecting that. He did good. He did really good. Kvyat, uh, I think. What isn't he a little bit like Grosjean in terms of? Uh, I want to say potential to in terms of how much of a potential hazard he is, and I don't I don't mean to be rude, I don't mean to be a little bit harsh, but so the fact that he pulled that off that was surprising to me, especially coming from him. I thought it was going to be Alex Albon, and they and the commentators thought it was, and I, and I was I'm like, mess yeah, Albon, come on, let's go, yo, be another Charles Leclerc. It wasn't, it was Kafir, and that was a very that was a very interesting surprise. It was a nice surprise too, although it didn't. It amounted to nothing because I mean I had Kvyat's number because they do a little raffle thing uh, for prizes, and I got Kvyat, so it wouldn't matter. My dad actually got Vettel, <laughs> and he came in fourth. So I don't think it really would have mattered if Vettel actually caught up and passed Verstappen. That was interesting. I've had I've had terrible numbers as of late. I it's funny because when I when I first started going to these watch parties, I got Lewis Hamilton I think three times in a row. Three times in a row. I got Hamilton a fair bit. And now it's just like, oh, midfield, midfield, midfield. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Or at the very least, nowhere near good enough to win. We could also talk about Daniel Ricciardo. He finished. He finished. As far as I know, he finished. And that's good. That that actually made me really happy. That I, well, I say, I didn't notice. Let me come clean. I didn't notice. But I'm pretty sure he finished. And that's good. That makes me happy. But he's struggling so hard at Renault. I thought Renault were faster last year and the season before that. I thought Renault was a pretty good, like top tier, mid team uh, manufacturer. It doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like that now. They're down with Racing Point, Force India, and Alfa Romeo. They're they're around that, and and they're at the top part of that. You know, like just out of top ten, but. You know, if you're out of top ten, you're really a backmarker, and that's the that's the harsh reality of it. If you're out of top ten, you know, between tenth and fifteenth, you're kind of a backmarker, and that's what that's what we've been observing. Because when they pulled out that safety car, you know, at about lap forty-eight, you could see a Toro Rosso and both of the Ferraris, Nico Hulkenberg and Daniel Ricciardo. They were lap down, you know, they were backmarkers. And as a Danny Rick fan, it is heartbreaking to me to see that because I think he's got. He might be one of the not the old not old as far as drivers go on the grid, but an older driver driver on the grid, and so to see that he's just not having any luck is such a shame because we've seen what he can do. He's the dive bomber when he's in his stride. God grief, you know the top guy's got to watch out. But I keep coming back to this: his stride never it doesn't seem to happen consistently, not enough to really to really truly be a top driver. It just doesn't seem to be consistent enough. And that's what bugs me about him. That's what bugs me about him is he he's proven he can fight with the best of them, with the best of them. But that only happens 
every now and then, you know, kind of once in a blue moon, and that makes me sad. As far as everyone else, Alfa Romeo, nowhere to be seen. No coverage from uh, the guys we got. Ferrari's first handful of pit stops were garbage. They were terrible. Terrible pit stops. Mercedes, everyone seemed to be a little slow today. I don't know if it was just me, but everyone seemed to be a little bit slow for pit stops. 2.7 to 2.8 seconds. I know that's fast in general for a pit stop, but for F1 pit stops, I don't know. Maybe it was just me this race, and that's their normal uh, speed for a pit stop, but it just seemed a little slower to me than normal. That pit straight. That pit, not pit, well, yeah, coming into that pit lane, that was long. That's another thing, though. Know, that was a really long pit entrance. That was crazy. But yeah, overall, what did I think of the race? The first few laps were crazy. That was great. You know, I'm kind of one of those people that's kind of always on the edge of their seat uh, when, when strategy, you know, because I get, I get nervous because I'm like, I want them to win, I want them to win. But as far as that, you know, the actual action, as far as actual action, not, there really wasn't that much going on, which, you know, which is a pretty darn big shame, you know, with the changes for the cars this, you know, this year, I just don't know, you know, I just don't know what to make of it. I think Ferrari need to stop being boneheads. Renault needs to figure something out because it's weird that they're now a back marker rather than a midfield team, kind of like they were last year, as far as I remember. And uh, yeah, I don't. I'm sure a lot of F1 fans say this, but some, you know, something needs to change here. Why? You know, what is going on? Why is there? I don't want to say less overtakes than last year. You know, I don't have that much of a memory. But what? Why has there been? Why have the first few races earlier this year just been rock stars, and then these other ones just been fair? You know entertaining to say the least but really not jaw-droppingly amazing not a must-see race which is which is a shame but you know we'll have to see what the next race is i don't i don't know what the next race is yet but anyway i'm gonna have to stop here i will see you all after the break and after the break we'll get into actual news did you know cody does more than just tell the news he's writing articles on cars as well be sure to check him out on Mopar Insiders at http colon forward slash forward slash www.moparinsiders.com and on Drive Tribe at http colon forward slash forward slash www.drivetribe.com. Now back to Cody at Cody's Car Conundrum. Alrighty, actual news. We're starting with the Ferrari news. Unlike Lamborghini, who heavily relies on the Earth to lift sales in global markets, Ferrari is doing very well without an SUV in its lineup. The high-riding Ferrari is still a few years away, and when it arrives, it will expand the company's reach, while also boosting their revenue. In the first quarter of the year, the Italian automaker shifted 2,610 cars. That's 482 units more compared to the previous time period. A healthy 23% increase, pulled by the cheapest Ferrari to op pulled by the cheapest Ferrari on offer, the Portofino. Overall sales of V8-powered models were up by 30.6%, whereas those using V12 engines grew by 4.1%. This was partially offset by lower volume from the 488 family, with the 488 GTB and the 488 Spider approaching the end of their life cycles. The 488 Pista ramping up and the 488 Pista Spider yet to arrive on the market. Explained Ferrari, V12 performance was led by the 812 Superfast. Significant growth was registered across all, re all regions. In the Americas, sales were up 26.5% 20, and in 
the EMEA region, Europe, Middle East, and Africa, by 9.6%. The Asia-Pacific region contributed with a 29.3% increase, but those pale compared to the results obtained in mainland China, Hong Kong, and Taiwan, where sales went up by 79.2%. Fry boosted its income furthermore in the first three months of the year with spare parts and engines. The net revenue for the same time period, which ended on March 31st, increased to 940 million euros, or 1.5 bill, well, 1.05 billion, up 13.1%. Ferrari has had an excellent first quarter, as it turns out. That's that's crazy. Hey, good for Ferrari. Our next topic is the 2021 Ford Bronco. Ford's continuous push for electrification and new high-riding vehicles will meet each other in the form of a hybrid Bronco. The model was confirmed by the brand's head honcho, Jim Hackett, Jim Hackett, at the annual shareholders meeting, according to Auto News reporter Michael Martinez on Instagram. No details are, are being known. <laughs> That's a typo. No details are being known about the electrified powertrain, but rumor has it that it will probably join a couple of gasoline-powered internal combustion engines. The 2.3-liter Turbo 4, as well as the 2.7-liter V6, are expected to power the ICE versions and will likely be coupled to a 10-speed automatic transmission, with a possible manual gearbox joining the range later on as an option, although nothing's official yet. Poised to take on the Jeep Wrangler, the all-new Bronco is believed to arrive in late 2020 after a 24-year hiatus. The rugged off-roader will feature removable doors and hard and a hard top that can be stored in the cargo compartment, as dealers have confirmed after reportedly being shown a two-door variant, while a four-door will also be will also be available. A few months before dropping the veil off the 2021 Bronco, Ford will reportedly uncover its smaller sibling. It will be based on the all-new Ford Escape, Kuga in Europe, but will look nothing like it, as it will get a as it will get boxier styling. The engines will come from the Escape which will go on sale this fall with a 250-horsepower 2-liter EcoBoost, a 180-horsepower 1.5-liter EcoBoost, a hybrid, and a plug-in hybrid. Ford will also put some pressure on the Tesla Model X and other electric SUVs with a Mustang-inspired electric crossover set to arrive in 2020. Seems like they got a lot of stuff coming up for 2020 and uh, just a little bit later. And lastly, that Model 3 recall, although that's not going to be the only thing we cover, it's just the last of the headline stuff. Mazda has started informing dealers in North America of a new safety campaign that potentially affects 187,798 units of the Mazda 3 due to malfunctioning windshield windshield wipers. The NHTSA said that the wiper relay may have an improper design that might disrupt electrical power to to the motor thus making the wipers inoperative and reducing the visibility while driving. The relay becomes defective when metal deposits form due to heat generated during normal operation, which causes eventual sticking of the relay contacts, according to the Fed's description of the defect. Mazda is unaware of any accidents, injuries, or deaths related to this condition that affects 2016 to 2018 Mazda 3s produced between July 20th, 2015 and July 18th, 2017. As noted above, dealers have already been informed of the recall, whereas owners should hear from the automaker before June 3rd. That's still a while. The fix will see technicians replace the front body control module with a new one, said to use an improved design. 
all work will be carried out free of charge, and those who have replaced the faulty parts on their own will be reimbursed. The Compact Mazda was previously involved in other safety campaigns conducted with the NHTSA that included other defects, such as possible fuel leaks and faulty parking brakes. The latter included the biggest number of cars, 227,814, and was carried out two years ago, with dealers taking care of the possible rollaway risk. Skoda to unveil facelifted 2020 Superb on May 23rd. That's interesting, that's pretty soon actually. 2021 BMW iNext electric SUV shows off unique interior layout. Opel Combo Cargo Compact Vans gain 4x4 option for 6,400 euros. BMW makes i8 Roadster a speedster, like 911-style speedster, for Formula E's new safety car. Gotta be honest with you, I actually kind of like the idea. Especially if they made a, a very, tra like an M version, uh, but track-oriented. I'd be up for that. I'd be very up for that, especially if it was a spec series, uh, like your Miata ones. Seat electrifies 2019 Barcelona Motor Show with three concepts. Mazda is working on new straight-six Sky Active X engines. Stop the press! The Ferrari F8 Tribuno Configurator is here! In other words, the updated Ferrari 488 that has a new name configurator is here! Is the 2019 Cadillac XT4 able to hack the subcompact niche? Infinity ART, or ART, concept is aimed at stylish weekend warriors. What was, what was that Audi that lifted... Audi R8 looking 4x4 concept that debuted a little while ago. Not not the Nomad, not the Nomad, whatever that was called. This is like that, but a more long hood, short deckish version, but still very, still very sporty. 2020 Audi RS Q8 looks like a more affordable Lamborghini Urus. New Porsche 718 Cayman GT4 to send shockwaves through sports car world. Ferrari Hybrid Supercar will be revealed in Marinello before month's end. I kind of doubt that, but hey, it's before the end of the month. I'm, I'm good with that. Dyson's first EV coming in 2021. Patent shows large crossover-like model. Prince Harry meets the new Land Rover Defender as SUV drops more camo. Ferrari will stop supplying engines to Maserati from 2021 to 2022. Or at the very least, they'll... In that time frame, they're going to work on stop supplying Maserati with engines. PSA considering building Peugeot 308 and, Op and Opel Astra in the UK. Opel. <laughs> Nissan laying off 20% of staff from its Barcelona plant. What, what are the odds that outside of the race, I talk about Nissan laying off people from a plant they have in Barcelona? Stranger still, uh, why do they have a plant in Barcelona? Apparently, the factory makes a Navara, the NV... 200e as well as the normal nv200 the Renault alaskan and the mercedes x-class so that's their truck plant basically citroen planning to unveil dashing flagship sedan in 2021 what is why is there so much stuff happening in 2021 that that's that's odd it's like a whole industry-wide push to get stuff done in 2021 i mean i know there are some things that supposedly there are some things fca is working on for 2021 whether it'll say that way i don't know but you know, that was well back, we kind of knew this information well back in 2016. That's not new news. BMW and Billy Microsoft working on smarter onboard voice assistant. Rolls-Royce is making a one-off special phantom for its 115th birthday. And we have to take a break. I will see you all after, you know, after the break. Are you a huge fan of Cody's Car Conundrum? 
you can now purchase Cody's Cockhunter merch, which is long sleeve and short sleeve shirts on www.tidyurl.com slash ccc merch. Now back to Cody at Cody's Car Conundrum. Bugatti takes Sharon and Sharon Sport to Paul Ricard for some pure track fun. BMW Drag Racer looks funny but has a tuned E34 M5 engine and runs 6 second quarter miles. GM invests $700 million in three Ohio plants, adding 450 jobs. Formula One visits Chicago this June with a local fan festival. Formula One commercial rights holder Liberty Media wants a second Grand Prix in the United States. Thank God. GM turns Oshawa plant into parts manufacturing and autonomous vehicle test site. New Volkswagen Artia wants to lure you into four-door coupe ownership. New Range Rover SVO Astronaut Edition can be yours as long as you go to space. Basically what Range Rover is telling you is get the mess off our planet, we're already overpopulated as it is. Porsche to offer six cylinder touring versions of 718 Boxster, of 718 Boxster and Cayman. More than 10,000 European buyers pre-ordered the VW ID3. 2020 Mercedes-Benz E-Class Coupe facelift will look very familiar. Next generation 2021 Ford F-150 won't be a major overhaul, apparently. That's a shame, actually. 2020 BMW M8 will allow owners to customize engine, steering, suspension, brakes, and more. Not sure I'm okay with the brakes being changeable. Honda launching global platform in 2020, cutting model variants by 66%. McLaren 600 LT Spider available to order in the U.S. from 250, from 256,500 dollars. 2020 F1 Brazilian Grand Prix moving from Sao Paulo to Rio. Toyota and Panasonic join forces to develop connected services for homes and urban development. Lyft posts $776 million revenue in first quarter as a public company. Even so, and this is the subheader, Lyft still hasn't made a profit, but it does continue to expand its user base. Red Bull and Toro's New home, away from home, it takes 32 hours to build. VW to preview new entry-level 20,000 euro EV as a concept in Frankfurt. Honda Civic Type R sets lap record at Bathurst for front-wheel drive production cars. BMW M8 lapped the Nürburgring in 7 minutes 30 seconds during testing, according to, to a spotter. Tesla can now detect issues and automatically order replacement parts. A 2020 Toyota Super crashes at the Nürburgring and loses its nose. Oof! Watch the Alfa Romeo Stelvio Quadrifoglio set lap records on three iconic U UK circuits. Those being Silverstone, Donington, and Brands Hatch. Slow April vehicle sales in US. See annual forecast tumble to 16.41 million, lowest since 2014. Pulsar opens new R&D center in the UK for EV development. Porsche Cayenne Coupe with Lamborghini Urus V8 said to be in the works. And that is it for today. Thank you all for listening and or watching if on YouTube. And speaking of YouTube, if you're on YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe and hit the little notification bell so you're notified of all my uploads. Everyone else who listens to the podcast, like and share it. Do the same thing. Comment. I hope you all, I hope you all enjoyed. I will see you soon. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars, if I'm being honest. 
If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.